0: Here's something I don't often admit. Marketing, it can be incredibly glib. It's so intensely focused on highlighting positives that all too often it comes across as superficial. Advertising campaigns, marketing slogans and product launches, they all tend to say the same stuff. They talk about how great the thing is. Gillette is the best a man can get. KFC is finger-licking good. With Coca-Cola, you're opening happiness. I'm not surprised. If you want to get someone to buy something, it makes sense to talk about how great that thing is. If you wanted to hook up your roommate with a work colleague, you wouldn't tell them that they put tuna in the office microwave. No, you would focus on the positives. That's conventional wisdom. But is it right? See, I think all of us, deep down know that we're not solely drawn to positive things. No, sometimes we prefer darker things, we prefer negative things. Open up the news app on your phone and you'll see it. News articles, on the whole, well, they highlight negativity because we're more likely to read them. YouTube channels make fail compilations that get millions of views, while success compilations, well, they don't really exist. One of my favourite Instagram accounts is called Shit London Guinness. It shares pictures of the worst pints of Guinness people have been served in London. It's got 150,000 followers. That's 10 times more than Guinness's own UK account. We're drawn towards negativity. Yet if you suggest a marketing campaign that talks about your product's negatives, well, you'd get laughed at. If you told McDonald's to change their slogan from I'm loving it to I've only got four quid so this will have to do or you'd get kicked out of the boardroom. But what happens if we embrace negativity? What happens to brands that highlight flaws? And can I grow my podcast by talking about how crap it is? Let's find out. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. Hello, folks. I'm Phil Agnew and you are listening to Nudge. This is the final episode in this four-part mini-series where I take a nudge that I've talked about on the show and test it out for myself. In the previous episodes, we've covered social proof, the peak-end rule, and reciprocity. I've shared how those nudges have helped me attract hundreds of additional listeners, gain an extra hundred star reviews for the show, and have helped me run a 56km ultra-marathon. So check out those episodes if you haven't already. Now with these shows, there's a fair bit of additional resources, things like images of the ads I've run or data behind the tests, to grab all of those resources, just sign up for the mailing list. There's a link to do so in the show notes, and once you've signed up, you'll get taken to a page with all of the behind-the-scenes resources. In this show, I'm going to be testing out the Prattful effect. The Prattful effect is essentially a bias that draws us towards things that aren't perfect. Studies that I've shared before on episode 58 of Nudge have shown that revealing a weakness during an interview can make you more likely to get a job and how spilling coffee over yourself can make you more likeable. But it doesn't just apply to people, it applies to brands and products as well. Consumer psychologist Adam Ferrier, a previous guest on Nudge, he proves this by asking a representative sample of 626 people a question about cookies. The participants were shown two cookies that were identical, apart from one small difference. One cookie had a rough edge, while the other cookie had a perfectly smooth edge. The cookie with the rough edge was overwhelmingly the favourite, with 66% of people preferring it. The pratfall effect didn't detract from the appeal, it actually increased it. This study was repeated, this time with a Polish chocolate spread brand called Lindo Lada. The company created two identical ads for their product. In the first the chocolate spread, was neatly spread across toast. In the second, the chocolate was messily spread across the toast and even the table beneath. After showing the ad to 5,800 participants, 63% declared that the imperfect version was preferred. It's not a new thing, either. Since the mid-80s, Buckley's, a US cough medicine company, have used the slogan, It tastes awful, and it works. The slogan must be working, because they've kept it for the last 40 years. Listerine used to do something similar. Back in the 70s, they ran a poster that read, I hate it, but I love it. Let me tell you, it tastes lousy, but that's why it works so good. But these types of ads are few and far between these days. It seems like most marketers tend to shy away from negativity today. One of the few examples of negative advertising I could find was shared by Richard Schotton. It's for the Hans Brinker Budget Hotel in Amsterdam. They put out a full-page newspaper ad which said, Our maids work twice as hard since we only have one. (laughs) They ran another ad saying, Free wireless, available with the neighbour's password. I think these ads are brilliant. They play on the pratfall effect. It's this idea that we like imperfection. And they capture our attention because of it. I think we're so bored of seeing endless positivity in marketing that a little bit of negativity actually catches our eye. But I'm also aware that this is my subjective opinion. I'd have a hard time convincing Ibis Hotels to create an ad that stated their breakfast was crap but cheap. So I wanted to collect some data for myself. I wanted to see if the Prattful effect really does capture attention. I devised an experiment. In my weekly email to subscribers, I encouraged people to sign up for my science of marketing course. For half of the subscribers, I sent the correct link, a link to sign up for the course. But to the other half, I sent the wrong link by mistake. Now, this wasn't a real mistake. I planned it, but I'm letting this one slide as it's for science. See, I wanted to see if admitting I'd made a mistake would increase enrolment in the course. So that group who got the wrong link, I sent them another email saying, sorry, I sent the wrong link. Here's the correct one. So 50% of the audience, they received the right link straight away. The other 50% received the wrong link and then got another email with the right link. Now, conventional wisdom says that those who saw the mistake should be less likely to sign up. After all, Who would want to take a course run by someone who makes such basic errors in their email marketing? But that's not what happened. Those who saw the mistake, they were 125% more likely to sign up. The pratfall effect had kicked in. Our love for imperfection caused people to notice and engage with the email, even though it goes against all rationality. So I think I'd prove to myself, at least, that this nudge worked but that's not really useful to you. You can't go out and send emails to people with missing links. That's hardly a scalable strategy. So I wanted to run another test, one that showed that the Prattful effect isn't just a gimmick. It's a bias that's so effective that you can create whole marketing campaigns around it. In this test, I created two Reddit ads. The first was classic marketing, talking about the benefits you would get if you listened to an episode of Nudge. The copy stated five reasons why you should listen to Nudge. Number one, you'll learn the science behind great marketing. Number two, guests include Rory Sutherland, Nia Eel, and Richard Shotten. Number three, it has 100,000 downloads and 127 five star reviews. Number four, the episodes are 20 minutes long with no fluff or ads. And number five, you'll learn the marketing science that you can replicate. Now, I'll admit this isn't the world's most creative copy. But it's what the textbooks tell us to do, talk about product benefits, that's what it did. So I created a second version to run alongside this ad. It's titled, 5 Reasons Why You Shouldn't Listen to Nudge. The reasons were, number one, you'll realise how useless your marketing degree was. Number two, episodes are packed with so many examples you might get a headache. Number three, you'll piss off your colleagues with your new great ideas. Number four, it's only 20 minutes long, which isn't ideal for long car journeys. And number five, you'll learn marketing science, not LinkedIn guru wisdom. To be honest, I really thought this wouldn't work. It was pushing it. It was way too literal. I was literally telling people not to listen to my show and giving them reasons why. Sure, the reasons weren't too damning and it was all tongue in cheek and a little jokey, but I still didn't think it would beat the control. I spent $110 on these adverts in total, and all in all, the Prattful version was four times more effective. The click-through rate on the control was 0.09%, but for the Prattful ad, it was 0.47%. I got a 391% uplift from telling people not to listen to the show. Over 500 new listeners came to the show from that one ad, and today It's probably my most effective bit of marketing for nudge. And yet, this is something I'd almost certainly never be able to use as an employee of a business. Your boss wouldn't dare let you try something that says not to buy the product, or why so few people are using your product. But it pays to be different. It pays to apply science to marketing, and it pays to run tests that no one else would dare. To finish up, I wanted to share my favourite example of someone benefiting from using a pratfall strategy. Stephen Bradbury was a speed skater who represented Australia at the 2002 Winter Olympics. Now, unsurprisingly, the Winter Olympics aren't such a big deal in Australia, a fairly hot country, so it was quite a surprise when Stephen made the final. Stephen Bradbury was against the fastest ice skaters on the planet and he had to race them over a thousand metres. He was the slowest and oldest person racing, and he really stood no chance of winning. So, he decided to embrace his flaw. He built a strategy around the pratfall effect. Use your weakness to your advantage. Bradbury knew that every other racer was desperate to win. For them, only gold would do. He could have tried to compete with them, but that would have only meant one of two things. He would have tied himself out by halfway and just fallen too far behind. Or, even more likely, he would fall on the ice and not finish. Something very common in speed skating. So his Prattful inspired strategy was simple. Skate a few metres behind the other four. Benefit from the slipstream that they create. Let them battle it out and wait for one or two to get knocked down or disqualified. And see if he could grab a bronze at best. That's what he did. For the entire race, he was a couple of metres behind the pack, not really competing, but staying close. Eventually, it became obvious that he would finish last. He was right behind them with only a lap to go. But 10 metres from the finish line, going around the final corner, the Russian fell. And the Russian took out the American. And the American took out the Canadian. And the Chinese athlete went with him. Meters from the finish line, all four skaters were lying on the ice. Bradbury just went past them and crossed the finish line before they could get up. And just like that, Stephen Bradbury became the first athlete from the entire southern half of the planet to win a gold medal at the Winter Olympics. Not by fighting to compete, but by embracing his flaw. That's a strategy that shows the benefits of the Prattful effect. <laughs> All right, folks, that is all for today and all for this mini-series on experimenting with nudges. I really hope you've enjoyed these four episodes. Please do let me know what you think, either by leaving a review or just getting in touch with me directly. And please do share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. That'll help the show grow. And as the show gets bigger, I'll be able to dedicate more and more time to it, potentially even releasing more than one episode of Fortnite, which I know lots of you have asked for. As a reminder, you can get all of the resources I've shared on this episode by signing up to the mailing list. Just click the link in the show notes to do that. You'll also get an email from me every single time a new show goes live, so you won't miss another episode. And every other week you'll get a nudge tip in your inbox, which is a nudge that I've seen in the wild that I want to share with the listeners. Normal Nudge service will resume with the next episode. That'll be a typical Nudge interview with an expert pioneer or author within the field. And thank you again for listening to Nudge, the Science of Marketing podcast. Cheers.